It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Thursday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com as well as the mobile app. Alongside Jeff Fiegels and Paul Dottino, I'm Lance Meadow with you for the next 60 minutes. Multiple ways you can interact with us here on the program. You give us a ring, 201-939-4513. You can use hashtag GiantsChat on Twitter. As a reminder, you can find the archive of this show and our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcast. So we are inching closer to the Week 16 matchup with the Philadelphia Eagles. This will be the second matchup between both of these teams. They met in Week 12 at MetLife Stadium with the Giants holding off the Eagles 13-7. to So we'll get into the ins and outs of that matchup as we move on over the course of the program. But, guys, let's start with the news that Joe Judge revealed as he spoke to the media. They had a lot of players on the COVID reserve list, and I would say the biggest name that has come off of the COVID reserve list is Kadarius Toney. However, the million-dollar question is, is there enough time for him to practice to overcome some of the injuries that he's been nursing and play in this game? Because just because a player comes off the COVID reserve list does not mean they're guaranteed to play, especially, Paul, in the case of Kadarius Tony, because Tony, remember, has missed about a month due to the oblique and the quad injury, and we've seen a lot of players, if they don't get on the practice field and they're not a full participant, it could be still a stretch to assume that he'll be ready to go for Philadelphia this Sunday. Well, that's why he was going to start the day with the trainers before they determined how much he would do at practice this afternoon. They're still out there on the practice field as we speak. And so until the post-practice report comes out and we find out what he was allowed to do, it's kind of hard to gauge where he is and where he stands regarding Sunday's game. Uh, I don't know, Jeff, maybe maybe you could address this too. Is it harder for some players to come back from softer tissue injuries when it becomes bitter cold like it is in December? I mean, I, I again, sure. I didn't play, sure. but it seems to me it's easier to do that in September than it is now. Oh, yeah, I, I just, I mean, it's warmer. But, you know, those guys, that they, they get ready for practice. They get out, they stretch, and, you know, obviously the trainers help them through the process, and the players are the one that tells the trainers how they're doing. They'll, you know, if they're feeling good, they'll take them a little bit further. And because, But the weather sometimes can be a deterrent. Absolutely, Paul, because, you know, as we all, we're all human beings. We know that when it gets cold, it's a little bit, you know, at least those older guys do. It's become a little stiffer, you know. It's kind of hard to get, hard to, hard to get warmed up a little bit, but. You know, that guy's a young squirt. He'd probably be fine. <laughs> a squirt. That's I'll, one way to I'll put tell it. him yeah. you called him that. A squirt. <laughs> well, Jeff's in a position to at least refer to everybody as young, considering That's right. the time That's that right. he logged yeah. in the National Football League. But in all seriousness, I think the other thing, Jeff, not to overlook, though, and I understand where you're coming from in terms of, you know, he's young and active, and even if he's on his own, he could perhaps recover. Remember, he's been removed from the team all this time, so he hasn't been able to be around the training staff 24-7 because obviously when you test positive, you have to be quarantined. So yeah. he has missed out. It's very similar, Jeff, if you remember when Saquon tested positive, or at least he was put on the COVID reserve list, I should say. He didn't test positive, excuse me. But he was still removed from the team, and that was right around the time where he was still trying to work his way back back from the injury and there wasn't enough time once he rejoined the team because it was too late in the week so that's the other wild card I think with respect yeah. to Tony how much treatment has he received given the fact that he hasn't been around the team 
Yeah, and, and remember, guys, um, in today's world, there's a lot of stuff you can do at home. Um, sure. You know, they bring these game-ready machines, and they have, you know, but, you know, I, I don't know. I, I'm not too familiar with an oblique injury, how you treat that, whether it's just more of the stem stuff that you use or it's it's just, you know, ice and, and warm. I, I don't know, but um, it's it'll be interesting because I feel like the Giants need him, especially with Sterling Shepard going down. And uh, and I, I certainly believe that if he's able to play, he's going to be on that field. And I think that he's he knows enough about the offense. I think that it's just a matter of him, you know, being in some sort of game shape, which he's not. But he'll progressively get there, hopefully, if he can be ready to play. But I, I think that it's important for a guy, whoever's going to start this game, whether it's Fromm or Glennon. I don't – they need Kadarius, Tony. He's a playmaking guy, and if he's available, oh, they're going to use him. And I can't wait to – I can't wait to see this guy play, I mean, on a consistent basis because I feel like – I feel like he's a guy that can really get this offense moving, um, especially for for a young guy like Jake Fromm if, Fromm, if he's in there, to be able to get the ball to some of these playmakers. It'd be fun to watch. Well, especially an individual that if he get the ball in his hands in open space, we know how yeah. much damage he could do based on the flashes that he has shown at least at times throughout the course of this season. Now, you bring up an interesting point because I want to shift gears, guys, to this matchup. If you go back to the first game in Week 12, that was the game, obviously, that Daniel Jones did play. But the Giants ran the ball 27 times for just 70 yards. And the Eagles are actually not too shabby against the run this season. They're 10th in the NFL and they're also running the ball very effectively on offense. So not to say, Paul, that whether it be Mike Glennon or Jake Fromm, that you want them airing it out 35 to 40 times, because I would say that's never a recipe for success. But I think if you're going to have success against Philadelphia, it's going to have to come through the air, and it's going to have to come through the quarterbacks making some plays and being in sync with the wide receivers, because Philly's front, even though they've had their ups and downs and they haven't gotten a lot of sacks this season, they're still pretty strong in that category in terms of slowing down the opposing rushing attack. Yeah, I would agree with that, Lance. I don't think you can go into this game thinking that a run-heavy, low-risk offense is going to necessarily get it done. And and I say that even thinking that the Giants could perhaps, after holding six of their last eight opponents under 21 points, it's certainly possible. I mean, remember, they beat Philadelphia 13-7 to at MetLife Stadium about a month ago. I don't think you're going to get a duplicate this week, okay? I just don't. I do think that Jalen Hurts, for whatever you think about him, I think he had his best game the other day against Washington and may have had his worst game against the Giants a few weeks ago. 100%. So the truth is he's somewhere in the middle. So you have to believe the Eagles you know, are certainly capable of scoring in the high teens and maybe even reaching 20 points. So the Giants' offense cannot expect that they're going to run it 45 times, you know, for 150 yards and try to get a couple of turnovers and a couple of key plays and win this thing. No, they are going to have to hit some plays in the passing game if they're going to emerge victorious. I think that's pretty clear. Now, at the same time, especially if Jake Fromm is making his first NFL start, and I'm certainly heavily leaning toward that possibility, they do need to get some running game going early enough so that they give him more of a chance to succeed. Because if if they can't get anything on the ground going 
By the second quarter, the Eagles are going to tee off on this rookie because, well, I call him a rookie. He's not really, but you know what I'm saying. Well, I mean, he hasn't had a regular season start. So I mean, technically, he's, yeah. so, he's so inexperienced, he's sure. greener than the Eagles' jerseys. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So, so if you can't get any ground game going early, it just plays right into Philly's hands to be able to make his life difficult. Yeah, because he would be facing third and long after third and long if they're not running the football effectively. And remember what even Dallas was able to do on that final drive. Remember, the Cowboys got pressure, and Fromm had to throw the ball away. So even if they were playing prevent defense, they were still able to get home a little bit. It's more of a reason why you have to have some semblance of the run game. I don't think anybody would dispute that. But, Jeff, I want to piggyback off of a point that Paul brought up because he was Mm -hmm. talking about how in that first game the Eagles – only scored seven, so it was a solid effort by the Giants' defense, but let's not forget, Philadelphia moved the ball. They had well over 300 total yards, and Philadelphia turned the ball over four times, Jeff, two of which came in the red zone. So I'm not trying to poke holes into the Giants' defensive performance, but it wasn't as if the Eagles didn't have any success against the Giants. The bottom line was they couldn't finish drives, and then, remember, you had the two drops by Jalen Rager right at the end, which could have very well been touchdowns. So that's more of a reason why if you're the Giants, you're not going into this game thinking, well, of course, we're going to duplicate our performance. because there's no guarantee you're going to get four takeaways again. Yeah, no, there's not. And you actually needed those four takeaways to have some resemblance of winning the football game. And uh, because of those two drops by Jalen Rager, uh, you know, this is kind of – I think when you look at both of the offense of the Giants and the defense of the Giants, I think that, you know, you know they're going to have a plan. The plan is going to be to run the football, especially with their young quarterback. Let's just guess that he's going to be start making his start. The one good thing about the, the Eagles' defense is they, they're not known to as a very heavy blitz team because their front four gets it done anyways. Um, that could be a bonus for Jake Fromm. And, but I really, when you look at the Giants' running game the last couple weeks, if they can get that going, like they have been, I think they can have some success against this defense. It's not it's not going to be easy sledding, that's for sure. However, this team cannot turn the football over um, to have a chance. And, again, defensively, um, you've got a team that's actually doing pretty well. They're playing pretty good football right now uh, offensively for the Eagles. You know, you think about they had four take turnovers last time that the Giants played in. They still almost won the game. They've short, they scored 30 points in the last four of the last seven games. So they got it going on a little bit. So this defense for the Giants is going to have to toughen up. And by the way, I think it's at this point now that we know that the Giants defense, in order to help this Giants team win, has got to do some some work in the takeaway business. They've got to do it. That's just flat out. It's part of the game plan. They got to take the ball away. And they've only had one in the last three games, Jeff. And I don't think it's a coincidence yeah. that they wound up losing all of those games because I think what you're pinpointing is, and we've had these conversations also in years past. I don't think it's necessarily unique to this season. The fact that when you have those opportunistic plays, mm-hmm. it tends to lead to positive results or keep you in games. But the games where the takeaways are completely absent, you're putting way too much pressure on your offense. And we know the Giants' offense is just incapable of going mano a mano, Jeff, with an opponent mm-hmm. and thinking they're going to come out and outscore them. That They have yet to prove that this season. Yeah, 100%. And I, and I think that in the back of your mind, maybe the way that we think, we kind of understand that. I hope that maybe the players don't think that way because – you know, you don't want to start pointing fingers at one one position group or even offense or defense. But, uh, you know, it, it, bottom line is is that it, it speaks for itself. I mean, this team has to take the football away because of the potency of the offense is not there. And, uh, 
you know, and hopefully maybe a score here or, you know, get another uh, touchdown from an interception or a fumble recovery, something. You know, the defense can do their job. I think that, you know, Patrick Graham did a beautiful job of scheming against Jalen Hurts last time. Because remember, guys, when we were talking about what the Eagles were going to do in this game the first time the Giants and Eagles played, we, we all thought that they were going to come out and run the football. Well, they went away from that, but I think that they did it, did it by because, you know, Patrick Graham took away some of those running lanes on those RPOs and just decided to, hey, you know, we're going to force Jalen Hurts to throw because, you know, that's his, that's, that's his not – he can't do that very well. But I think it will be interesting to see how they, they game plan him this week because I think he's cleaned that up a little bit, and I think that their offense is improving. Well, let's expand upon that, Paul, a little bit because I think what Jeff is hitting on to me is the key to this game. Because Philadelphia, despite the fact that I would agree with Jeff, they got away from the run at some points in that game. They still they ran back for to over two hundred yeah. yards. Yeah, they mm-hmm. need to go back. To it. <laughs> yeah, okay. They realized and, the cookie did, wasn't tasting very good. Now let's go correct. get another one. And oh wow, look at this. <laughs> well, and that's why they positioned themselves yeah. at the last point of the game to maybe score a touchdown before Rager had those two drops. But even though they had success on the ground, as Jeff hit on, Hertz attempted 32 dropbacks because he made 31 passes, he was sacked once, and obviously he had those three interceptions, but they've been running the ball effectively. Whether they stick to it or not, Paul, seven straight games with at least 175 yards, well over 200 in a number of those games. They ran the ball effectively against Washington on Tuesday. That was a big reason why they ran away with things in the second half. So it's still going to be on this Giants defense, whether it's Hurts doing the heavy lifting, Miles Sanders, Jordan Howard, you name it. You've got to be able to slow that down because if you don't, then they're not going to force Jalen Hurts to throw the football and the Eagles don't want to have a heavy passing attack, I think, in this game on Sunday. Well, you know what, Lance? This Philadelphia running game's a little bit different than it was even a month ago. And and by by saying that, what I'm talking about, now Sanders is really on a roll. He's had two consecutive 100-yard games. We saw what he did against uh, Washington the other night and didn't even run the ball 20 times. And, and what, he had 130 or something, I think, yeah, against Washington. Yeah, he had a 38-yard run. Yep. Okay? But, but on top of that, you remember how quick and shifty and nasty Scott has been to the Giants over the last couple of years. He's been a real thorn in their side. But over the last five games, Jordan Howard has really taken over some of those snaps because they've been more of a grinded out between the tackles power running team as opposed to looking for the quick guy to use the change of pace. Howard's kind of become more their number two back than Scott. In fact, I, I, to prove this, I went back and I looked at the numbers over the last five games. Howard is averaging 13 carries and 69 yards a game on the ground. Now, that's not bad for your second string running back. Remember, he was hurt earlier in the season, and, and he didn't really get going until a little over a month ago. And they have basically made him uh, the replacement for Scott thinking, I don't know, maybe they think that Scott uh, doesn't have the abilities that Howard has, or maybe they just decided they wanted to become more of a forceful, black and blue, kind of grinded out team, and Scott's a finesse guy. We know that. He's got the quicks. But whatever the case may be, the Giants better be able to load themselves up for a very physical, knock em sock em kind of running game. Well, Howard did not play against the Giants because he had that knee injury that you were talking about. And then Boston Scott was dealing with an illness in the time that Howard came back. So it's sort of been 
a revolving door because all the guys haven't necessarily been healthy simultaneously. And then remember, Sanders was dealing with an ankle injury, and he didn't play the last two possessions, last two drives of this last game because now he's dealing with a quad injury. That's what appeared on the injury report the other day on top of the ankle injury that he just recovered from. So it will be interesting to see, Jeff, how they split up the carries in this game because Boston Scott got no carries in the last game against Washington. He was sort of phased out. (laughs) It was the Sanders-Howard show, but if Sanders is a little bit banged up, does Scott reemerge? Who knows? The bottom line is I think their offense is built, which is what Paul was talking about, where – They can mix and match a variety of guys, and this all feeds off of, remember, the threat for Jalen Hurts also to run. However, Jeff, before I let you in here, the one thing I want to point out is Hurts is nursing an ankle injury still. And I thought from watching that game on Tuesday, I thought in the first half he was a bit hesitant. If you notice, he was dancing in the pocket. He tried to stay in the pocket. Second half, he seemed to get a little bit more comfortable and start to run. So I guess my question is, entering this game against the Giants, how comfortable is he? Does he want to take off? Or does he want to lean more on the conventional running backs? That will be something to watch, at least in the early stages of this game. Well, the one thing that's, that the that the Eagles rely on, re- regardless of who's in the lineup, is that offensive line is pretty sure. darn good. And so, you know, no matter who is in there and who matter – you know, it's the quarterback wants to run or doesn't want to run. They can they can lean on that offensive line to get that power running game going. Um, and if he is hurt, then I would imagine that they go to a little less of the RPOs and just go to their conventional running game and maybe have the giant killer himself as a little scat back there, a little five foot three little you know turd that he is goes around and throws the ball. I mean, throw <laughs> well, it to him and let him go. You nicknames today. Out Holy for smokes! Jeff. Well, my goodness, the guy is just you never hear about him unless until the Giants play him, right? I mean, it's just incredible to me how they, they take advantage of, uh, he takes advantage of this team. But my point is that with regardless of who's back there, that offensive lineman does a great job of blocking for that team, and I think they'll rely on whoever it is running the football this weekend. And it's actually impressive. I'm glad you brought up the Eagles' offensive line because the group that the Giants saw in the first game is going to be a little bit different. Yeah. Now, Landon Dickerson has been put on the COVID reserve list. He missed Tuesday's game, so that's a question mark. Does he come back in time for Sunday? And then since they played the Giants in that game, Jack Driscoll, their right guard, Mm -hmm. got hurt, and he went back on IR. That was his second stint, so you can't have two stints on IR and then return. So he's out for the season, so Nate Herbig has replaced him. They still, of course, have their anchors, Jordan Mailata at left tackle, Lane Johnson at right, and then Jason Kelsey at center. But the point that I'm bringing up, and uh, Paul, if you recall, we talked about this with Sal Palantonio, which is going to be part of our latest Giants Huddle Game preview podcast, which will be put up either today or tomorrow to get you set for the game. But last year they had a game of revolving doors with respect to their offensive linemen. This year they've been banged up a little bit again. But that unit stayed pretty steady, and I think that's been one of the most impressive components and why what Jeff was talking about, they've been able to run the ball so effectively. Well, there's no doubt. And we talk about the domino effect and how football is a real spider web. Well, think about this, right? Their offensive line has been much more consistent, much more solidified, much more productive. Is it any wonder that their running game is? And, oh, by the way, not only do they lead the NFL in rushing – but they are third in third down percentage at 46%. These things are all so tied together, it's not even funny. And that's why we always talk about, or at least I certainly do, you can never look at anything in a bubble in the NFL. 
There are too many tentacles to every aspect of the game. And look, I give the Eagles a tremendous amount of credit for being able to get that line going the way it has. Because when you put that line together with that running game, it allows Jalen Hurts to at least be functional. And it allows him to maximize his efficiency. Whatever you think about him, I particularly don't think he's a terrific quarterback. I think he's average at best. He's a running back to me playing quarterback. But the truth of the matter is, he's able to do more things as a QB because the other aspects are so strong. Well, that goes back to the environment, Jeff. And no different than, I'm not saying Jalen Hurts is Lamar Jackson, don't misinterpret my words, but Lamar got the same knocks, and he still gets the same knocks right now, where, Mm -hmm. you know, he's more of a running type of quarterback. But the bottom line is, Baltimore's had a good offensive line, and Baltimore's had good running backs to complement him. So therefore, if the environment is ideal, you're not putting it all on his shoulders that he has to wow you with the pass every single down. And he, and he's progressed into a better passer. 100%. Um, just yes, because, he has. Just because yeah. he's just, you know, that's just the way he's had to do it. Because, the, you know, when you go back and rely on what he's done in the past and not and has never really been a great passer coming into the league, but, you know, the, the offense is designed around his, his skill set. And as he gets better, you start to see a little bit more in the passing game out of him. You brought up a good point, Lance, is the fact that, you know, the, remember the Eagles played on Tuesday. So, you know, with that hurt – ankle and the practice routine and things like that's a very very you know obviously a monday night game is a short week a tuesday night game is a really short week so these guys got to turn around and that could be an advantage for the giants um um you know so you try to pick and try to pick out some of the things that could help the giants win this game and that might be one of them just some of the guys beat up a little bit lance you use the word environment and i'm not going to compare these guys as players but think about when Tannehill was with the dolphins and people were like, this guy's like really nothing more than a journeyman. He gets to the Titans. They've got an offensive line. They've got a running game. And all of a sudden, Tannehill is producing at an extremely high level. That's what oh, happens yeah. in this league. Yeah, sure. Yeah, no, I think that's a great example because he really resurrected his career by going to Tennessee. And then it didn't put Tennessee in a position where they had to now draft another quarterback or go in a different direction after they moved on from Marcus Mariota. So absolutely, they inherited an offensive line. They invested in an offensive line. And they also obviously had Derrick Henry, who unfortunately is banged up right now. But still, you know, those two components has helped Ryan Tannehill immensely. Lance Meadow, Jeff Eagles, Paul Dottino with you here. Thursday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live, getting you set for the Second matchup this season between the Giants and the Eagles as the Giants were victorious 13-7 to back in Week 12 at MetLife Stadium. A few reminders before we move on here. Giants fans, you can secure your season tickets for the 2022 season today for only $100. Limited seats are available. Speak with a Giants ticket representative now. Become a season ticket member. You call 888-NYG-1925. Also, you can take in all the action of New York Giants football from your very own private suite. Giant Suites are a great way to entertain the family and friends while rooting on your Giants at MetLife Stadium. You can speak with a Giant Suite rep by calling also 888-NYG-1925. And on an unrelated note, the Delta variant is spreading quickly in all areas of New York State. People who are not fully vaccinated are at greater risk from COVID-19. Protect yourself, get vaccinated, visit ny.gov slash get vaccinated, or you could talk to your health care provider. All right. Let's open up the phone lines at 201-939-4513. Joe is in Pennsylvania. He gets us going. What's happening, Joe? Hey, I'm very happy to get through to say Merry Christmas to you guys and uh, Happy New Year's. You too, Same Joe. To you and yep. our you, New York Giant team and all our fans. And for me, this is uh, 
my Christmas present is we could win this game. After this game, I, I really don't care because we're not going anywhere. You can see it there. Um, the only way we can go is, is up where we're at. Uh, when we started the season here, we were supposed to be where the where the Eagles are now, competing for a playoff, and they're supposed to be down there with uh, three or four wins. And the only thing I look at the Eagles, like you say, is their offensive line. That's really all that they really have that we, we really don't. That's keeping them in the game and with their running quarterback. And he's only going to go as long as he gets banged up and then with his running because he did a lot of that against the last uh, game. And I, I look at it, this game here will be able to do – do the he'll do the same thing. Uh, uh, I think we can match up with their re, uh, receivers, and that when we have to go one on one, but we we got to get in there and and tackle and stop their their running game and stop him and hit him good, and that's really all I want to, to, to say. And again, it's the only thing they have that I think that is you know is their offensive line that's doing it for, for for them so I hope this year in the draft I said I'd like to get a, a good center and a tackle yet you know to go with that and really and truly and I think we'll be able to uh, compete with everybody else so uh, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year's and come on Giants let's be tough this game here you, you can see it's going to be one in the trenches if we're going to win it there we got to yeah, stop well, it i mean the first one was one in the trenches too joe so i don't think anybody necessarily disagrees with you there and appreciate the sentiments and thanks yeah. for the phone call thanks joe you look we'll at Jalen hurts merry yep. christmas again. You, too. you as well thanks so much he ran eight times for 77 yards in that first game he only threw for 129 yards their leading receiver was kenneth gainwell one of their running backs who had three catches for 32 yards. So you know, they're receiving core. Not to say that they don't have talent there, but that wasn't the game plan. The game plan wasn't we're going to let Hurts air it out and we're going to beat the Giants down the field. They wanted to run the football, and they did that effectively. They just, as I mentioned, I keep going back to the fact that they didn't finish drives because more often than not, it ended with a turnover. And then you guys were talking about Boston Scott. Remember, Boston Scott had a fumble in that game too, which – Stopped one of their drives. The Giants got it back. The Eagles made a stop, and that's how they had one last chance to try to get the ball into the end zone. So this is absolutely going to be a trenches game, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's another one of those low-scoring, grinded-out type of affairs, given the fact that you know neither one of these teams— I know, Jeff, you mentioned that the Eagles had put up a lot of points, but the bottom line is the Eagles have been still inconsistent if you look at from the start— to this point, they haven't been consistently putting up a 30-point offensive clinic because at times their drives have stalled when they've been plagued by turnovers or mishaps here or there. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, these, these division games uh, are so competitive. You know, you can throw a lot of the things out because of that, and I think maybe one of the, the scoring, you might want to throw one of those out of there because when they've scored 30 points in four of their last seven, well, they didn't score that one of those uh, – two games was against the Giants that they didn't score the 30 points. So I agree with you. I think it's going to be a, you know, a game of uh, first and second down. I think that's going to dictate a lot about both teams here, especially the Giants, if they can get into some good third down and move the sticks and keep the ball in their hands and then try to do something. 
I'm I'm excited, guys, because I think that when we talked about Jake Fromm three weeks ago, a month ago when he got here, we, we obviously all knew and everybody wanted him to go in right away. But, you know, for us to study the game and to kind of have an idea of what's going on, we knew that he wasn't ready. He's ready now. I mean, he can definitely go in there and play. And so why not see what he's got and, and understand that um, he's going to make some mistakes. But what can he do in the red zone? that this other, these other quarterbacks haven't been able to do. Maybe it's something good. And, you know, if you can move the sticks and get some good lengthy drive, 9, 10, 11, 12 play drive down in there and get into the short red and see what he can do and score some points, the Giants got a chance. But they got to score some points, guys. You know this. Um, they can't just continually rely on their defense to, uh, to win games for them. They got to step up. The offense does. Yeah, you can't hover around you 21 points. No, you can't. can't. The other thing, speaking of scoring, Jeff, that I wanted to point out, and this mm-hmm. is why, once again, I'm not trying to not give the Eagles credit, but in two of those games that you referenced when yep. you said they were scoring in the 30s, they had a defensive touchdown in two of those games. Okay. Darius Slay had a fumble return against Denver, and he had a pick six against the Saints. So it's not the Eagles' offense right. that is solely responsible, is my point, for getting them up there and scoring over the last few weeks. And Listen, Paul, if we're going to say you can't bank on the Giants with the takeaways based on what happened in the last three games, then I'm certainly not banking on the fact that the Eagles are going to get a defensive touchdown because they can't be thinking that way either. So, no, very, yeah. very true. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I mean, I think you got to look at it balanced on uh, both sides of that. Let's re-enter the phone conversation here, and let's check in with Antonio in Manhattan. Antonio, what's happening? Hey, what's going on, guys? How are you guys? Happy holidays. You too. Same to you. What do you got for us? Um, so just wanted to touch base on one thing. Paul keeps kind of like – you know, not he, he keeps undermining, in my opinion, Jalen Hurts, and he's saying he's not a quarterback, he's more of a running back. It doesn't matter what he is. At the end of the day, he's winning games for the Eagles. And at the end of the day, he's scoring, whether it's passing or throwing, he's averaging about two to three touchdowns a game for his team. It's something that we haven't seen. I, I wish we had a running back at quarterback here that would get us a, a scoring possession. And a lot of the offensive lines, uh, um, uh, success that they had on the Eagles, it's because of what are they doing at the scheme-wise. Because they weren't doing that same thing early in the season. They were barely even running the ball this season. And their coach made an adjustment, said, okay, we're going to be a heavy run team. But if you notice through Eagles Twitter, they, they were complaining that the running backs weren't even getting enough touches. So it's an adjustment that they've made, and you got to give them their props for the props you do. Yeah, early in the season, they barely ran the football because exactly. Miles Sanders, there were games where he was barely getting any touches, and they made that exactly. adjustment, I think, as their offensive line got healthier. It coincided with that because their offensive line was banged up earlier this season, and they realized, you know, why put a young quarterback in a position where he has to play hero ball? So, yeah, they absolutely made that adjustment. You I know, think that's a fair point. Much like and talent helps dictate play. your game plan, health dictates your game plan, too. And absolutely, I agree with you a thousand percent about what the Eagles have done. They they constructed their playbook around what they had available to give themselves the best chance to win. I don't I yeah. don't see any disagreement here. It, well, I'm just saying that it. Let's, I think that we should stop undermining Hurts as he's not a quarterback. He's doing what he needs to be done. At the end of the day, oh sure, we want an MVP playing the same type of style, you know? He's, guy, he's, yeah. yeah, he's, he's to me, though, when I look at, when I look at, at the different styles of quarterbacks in the game, he's more of a running back who does some quarterback Perfect. things. 
and and he right. is and her and Hertz is certainly doing enough of what they need to do to put them in playoff right. contention. I don't I don't yeah. want to disparage him when I say that. I'm talking more about just the style of what he's playing. I'm not you. trying to insult the guy. It, 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 I know you're not trying. I know you don't mean bad by it, but it does sound like you're insulting his play. And, no, I, and, I don't mean to yeah. make it that way. I mean, look, the, the, the guy's exactly. got the team in playoff contention. There's, there's no insult intended. But but it, exactly. it's clear that the way he's playing and the way that they're coaching it and, and using their schematics, it's working together to give them success. I think it's one of those Definitely. situations where you know, I, 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 you've heard me in years past. I don't know how long you've heard the program, but in years past, yeah. I've talked about how guys are system quarterbacks. Like originally, right. Russell Wilson was a system quarterback in Seattle, but he developed, right. he improved, and he became a superstar quarterback who's going to right. go to the Hall of Fame. Okay? Yeah, absolutely. Because he raised his levels several notches from when he first came into the league. I don't yeah. know that Jalen Hurts will do that. I think he's a. A, a system quarterback, and I don't know if you put him on on a number of other teams if he would have as much success, because you know what I mean. He they they've tailored yeah. it for him. I think that he just, but that's fine too. They just enter, they just slowly developing him, and that's fine. Let him first be a team quarterback, and then with success, he probably. You never know. Comments. Yeah, right. you never know. Two, two comments that I just want to say. You're going to get you guys' opinion on it. Jalen Hurts played. I mean, Jalen Smith. Played a 17 snaps on three days into the team. Uh, do you think he gets over 30 snaps uh, this upcoming game? Patrick Graham I, I addressed that today. He um, he was asked about Smith, and he said he he thought he brought a lot of energy to the table. Yes. He said he thought that his skill set fit the style of what the Giants want. And that Perfect. sometimes guys just don't fit the scheme well, and that's why they, yes. they get moved around. It was his opinion that Smith had done enough last week to earn more of an opportunity. Now, how That's many old. snaps, he wasn't saying, but I think you right. will see more of him. That's awesome. I think he's the most – he comes in, and I think he's the most athletic linebacker that we that we have now and the most athletic linebacker that we had in a long time in this team. So I'm excited about him. I do understand that he – and on tape, he had a lot of blunders in the Cowboys and, and in the Green Bay. But, man, I just can't – get him and set this – you know, a while back he said you just can't give up on athleticism. And I just feel like, man, teams are making a mistake giving up on this kid. And then the last comment that I'll say is, from listen, this offense has changed a lot. It, it looks a lot better. It's just that, unfortunately, besides Mike Glennon's first game, he's given us, in, he's given us really mediocre play at quarterback. Fromm comes in, and if Fromm is somewhat competent, this game is a win. We win Philadelphia. And I think it's going to be the first game that we score over 21 points in a long time. That, that, so, so we're going to break that 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 land that land streak of of, of games of, without 21 points. I think we're going to get 27 this game easy, and we're going to crush the Eagles. And that's all I got to say, guys. You guys have a great one. All right, Antonio. Appreciate the phone call. Well, certainly if they get to 27 points, I think that would be extremely encouraging. But you know, we got to see them do better, as Jeff mentioned, in the red zone. Whether you change the quarterback or not, it's still a cloud and a dark cloud that is hovering over this team. You want to see perhaps some semblance of a run game mixed in to help balance the attack if Jake Fromm or Glennon is the starting quarterback. It makes no difference. And then, you know, once again, here's the million-dollar question. If the Giants don't get four takeaways, Jeff, 
based on how their defense at times has been up and down. Remember against the Chargers, it was not as impressive as what we saw in previous games. Which defense is going to show up? Because if the Eagles run the ball for over 200 yards, something tells me this time they'll score more and finish those drives as opposed to settling for absolutely nothing, which happened the first time around. I, I, I still go that I think that this game is on first and second down for both teams. I, I think if the Giants defense can uh, hold this Eagles offense when running the football on first and second downs and forcing Jalen Hurts to have to throw the ball on third and longs, we know the we know the uh, what will happen if he has to start throwing the football. It's not good. He's not a great throwing quarterback. He's a running quarterback that's very good. But and then vice versa with the Giants. The Giants have got to get their running game going because you, you again you you got to front four that will put pressure on you no matter what quarterback you are but if you can establish some running game on those first and early downs i mean it doesn't now listen that doesn't mean that you have to run the ball on first and second down guys you know that i'm saying it's production on first and second down that first down could be a a play action pass with a dump off that you get you six yards that's okay i'll take that because now we're in second and four and we got a better chance of having short third downs those are to me is how this game's going to be won or loss on both sides of, of each team that's but Let's, that's it Let's head back to the phone lines. Ramon is in Orlando joining us. What's happening, Ramon? Hello, Ramon. How you do, how you guys doing today? Doing all right. What do you got Thanks. for us? Good, good. I just want to say Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you guys. You too. I Same love to you. the show. Thanks for tuning in. Um, have it. A, so question one, um, I have been hearing a lot of things about Russell Wilson. Um, I don't know if that's true rumors. He actually wants to come or maybe. And two, do you think if he does come, do you think he can take us to the playoffs next year with his offensive line? Because, honestly, Jones is trash for me. I've been losing a lot of years, um, football games with Eli, and now you know Jones is not it right now. So do you think Russell Wilson can bring us to the playoffs with his offensive line? And if the rumors are true that he actually does want to come to New York, um, have you guys said anything about that? And that's what I would like to know. All right, well, we'll let you go on that note, Ramon. Appreciate the phone call. Russell Wilson is under contract with the Seattle Seahawks, so it's not as if he's going to be a free agent, and there can be trades that are made, but guys, at this point, speculation is speculation. I don't really think there's a lot of substance behind it. I, we've been talking about Russell Wilson rumors, <laughs> it feels like, for the last century, and Russell Wilson has remained in Seattle. So I really don't think there's anything to add to that in terms of any thing that can carry on beyond just pure speculation and as far as the Giants are concerned listen Joe Judge came out this week Daniel Jones spoke to the media the other day and you know he said he had conversations with Joe Judge he knows he has to improve in certain areas but they have said that he's their quarterback at this point so until that changes and until Russell Wilson becomes a free agent or something dramatically also ends up on Seattle's having them singing a different tune, I don't really think at this point there's anything to talk about. You know what, Lance? I, I will add one, one little scenario to this whole thing. For everybody out there who wants to criticize Daniel Jones and wants to, in their minds, upgrade the quarterback spot, here's what I would ask you. If you had the same situation as you have this year, with a defense that earlier in the season had a bunch of dropped interceptions, with an offensive line that has had a tremendous amount of difficulty blocking for the run and at times had time had trouble blocking for the pass, with an offensive starting skill set position that has played six snaps together for the entire season, I would I would challenge anybody out there to tell me 
what quarterback would be in that particular spot that the Giants have had Daniel Jones in this year and won more games? Because I don't, I don't know that there's another guy on the planet that would have been able to give them a chance at the playoffs given all of the scenarios that surrounded what Daniel Jones had to deal with this year. Well, and the Seahawks have had their fair share of injuries, too, in addition to Russell Wilson. Remember, he missed some time, and the results haven't been as good as they've been in previous years, too. So, I mean, I think you got to take that into consideration. The other thing, and once again, I'm just looking at it through based on what the last caller asked. When you, let's say, go down that hypothetical road, and let's say you can pull off a trade or whatever it may be, remember, you're also absorbing the remainder of that contract. And Russell Wilson's not on a rookie deal, okay? So you have to take that into consideration. Daniel Jones is on a rookie deal right now. He's not eating up as much cap space as somebody else who's been in the league a long time. So not only are you giving up resources, you're absorbing more of a contract, and then you'd have to consider long-term restructuring the deal or adding more years to that. So it's not so simple. When you go down this hypothetical road of a trade, if you want to go down there, it's not just I give up option A and B for the player, and then we just absorb the player. There's a lot of other things that come into play as a result of a transaction like that. Let's, I think yeah, I think go ahead, the, Jeff. I think the biggest thing is what you just hit on. I mean, you got to understand where and we and, and I'm not telling you or anybody else that something that you didn't hear when you heard Kevin Abrams and Dave Gettleman to speak to the media about the about the cap going next year, what type of problems they were going to have and how it was going to impact um, next year that you now you're starting to talk about a quarterback when you say the you know, not on a rookie deal. He makes as much money as the whole rookie pool to sign the whole <laughs> the whole draft class for a year, you know. So I mean, it's it's very sticky. And well, uh, you Jeff, know. I, I don't mean to cut you off. You know what Russell Wilson's cap hit was this past season? Just 40s? to put things in perspective, well, a little bit lower, thirty-two million dollar yeah. cap hit. Yeah, that's what Russell. You okay. know what his cap hit is scheduled for two thousand twenty-two? Thirty-seven million. There you go. That's his cap hit. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, good luck. Uh, okay, Russell, you want to come to New York? Great. We're, how about how about twenty-one million uh, cap? Okay, good. You want to play for that? We can afford that. I mean, how are you going to afford that? That's the, I mean, so there's so much you have to get into that's outside of the realms of what we talk about here on Big Blue Kickoff. It's like we had it's uh, it's fun to talk about it, I guess. But you know, listen, I I think that you got to understand that Daniel Jones is still under contract. You're not just going to cut Daniel Jones. You know, I mean, he's obviously has shown you guys or anybody else that's a fan of this team that. You know, he's your quarterback. And, um, you know, look at some of the numbers over over time and what he's done. It's, it's you know, he's definitely has some improvement. But, I mean, what else is there? I mean, you look at the draft this year coming out. Um, I, there's nothing that's really, to me, has been so exciting that you're talking about a, a quarterback in the first round or anything like that. So, I mean, I think you just got to look at what the team is telling you and go from there because – Financially, it's going to be very difficult, as Paul, you guys just mentioned. It's, it, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money to have someone come here like that. Let's head back to the phone lines. Justin is in Teaneck, joining us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Justin? Hi, guys. Uh, happy holidays. Uh, I love your show. Uh, you too. Thank you. you guys touched on kind of what I wanted to talk to, talk to you guys about, uh, about uh, Daniel Jones. Mm-hmm. People have been calling in a lot, saying to bring in like a journeyman quarterback. It doesn't make sense. Like you have this guy on a rookie deal, eight million. He's the uh, the journeyman quarterback's gonna come in with probably like the same issues that we're already having. You need to use, you need to see what Daniel Jones is like about, and help him out with the uh, draft picks that we have. Get him like offensive linemen. Uh, his receivers that he currently have are either hurt or dropping balls. Slayton's been dropping balls like crazy this whole year. Um, 
the guy's getting his like brains beat out. So like get him some help, and then we can really see what he's about. Well, get him, like mean, uh, you know, you know, not not to cut you off because I'll let you finish. But how much better is Carson Wentz doing now, or the Colts' offense doing that they've got a great running game? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there were I mean, people we ready to throw. There were people ready to throw Carson Wentz into the dumpster when when the Eagles decided that they had had enough, and so he goes to the Colts now, and he's got a fantastic running game with him, and suddenly when he stays healthy, he looks like he's a better quarterback again. Gee, what a surprise! I just can't believe it, right? Well, yeah. that goes back to Paul. That goes back to earlier we were talking about the environment, right, for players. That Carson Wentz example is another one, just like Ryan Tannehill. In terms of Tennessee, no doubt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joe, Jones has like all the physical like traits that you want, and he's like a smart guy. You just need to get him some help, um, and like get, get like a new offensive system to draw out his strengths. Um, I also wanted to talk about the defense. Uh, a lot of people are downplaying how well the defense is playing. It's not like the greatest defense the Giants have ever had, but if the offense was doing better, they've been holding teams down to low enough points to be able to win. Sure. Like sure early 20s and teens, like just the past few weeks. It's crazy. But that's just pretty much it I wanted to talk about. All right, Justin. Appreciate the phone call. Thank you, Justin. The last point about the defense, I mean, we've had this conversation once again time and time again. They have been keeping this team overall in games. The Kansas City game, they held the Chiefs to 20 points in that game. The offense only scored 17. You look at the Philadelphia game, they won that game. They held the Eagles to seven. Even the Dolphins game, guys, okay? They held Miami to 20 points. The offense only scored nine. And then in the Cowboys game, 21 points for Dallas. They only scored six. So there are tons of examples this season where the defense held its own. Unfortunately, the offense couldn't meet it at least halfway. But then there's other circumstances. This is where I go where it's still been a little bit up and down. The Rams game, for example, the first Cowboys game, the Bucks game, the Chargers game, where you're talking about a defense gave up in the high 20s, mid-30s in terms of points in that game. But overall, the majority of the games recently, yes, the defense certainly has kept them in games. I don't think anybody would uh, disagree with that sentiment. Let's head back to the phone line. We check in with Vinny in St. Augustine. What's happening, Vinny? Hey, how you guys doing? Good. It's been a while right, since I talked to you. It was two, two, two times I've called you was on draft day. This is my first time in uh, mid-season. It's it's I'm impressed to keep count, Vinny. That's uh, quite the accomplishment. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm a numbers guy. What can I say? Hey, um, it's been a brutal season, absolutely heartbreaking for me, but I want to just take a step back and think about where we are short-term and long-term. Uh, the first comment is our injuries have been brutal this year, and, and you can say, yeah, every team's going to get injuries. It's next man up philosophy. But there are times you cannot overcome what you have. I'll give you a couple of examples. Remember when Vinny Tercevardi was playing on the Jets? He hurt his knee, I think it was the first game of the season, and they went from an optimistic playoff team to, hey, we're going to be lucky. We're going to be in the lottery. And then last week or the week before when Tampa Bay, Tom Brady and Tampa Bay got shut out when Fournette went down and two of the receivers went down. So I just chalk it up when you lose – 40% of your line in the first two or three weeks of the season, that that is a message, and, and, and we lost Saquon and the, and the receivers, that, hey, sometimes you just can't overcome it. But I don't want to blow this up this year. Um, Gettleman may have to go. He may retire. But if so, 
I feel a little bad for him because he's built. We got five top 100 picks and maybe two top five or two top 10 picks this coming year. I think we're positioned really well. We just got to get the hogs. We got to get offensive hogs and we got to get defensive hogs. And I was looking on the college football rankings and there's a defensive end and there's an offensive tackle and there's a, um, you know, I'm curious what your thoughts are on the overall draft. If we get the beef that we, we think we can, I think Daniel Jones is going to do very well. I think, you know, Saquon is going to do well. And if, God, God willing, our receivers are healthy, it's, it, we're winning four games and we're going to be a lottery. But, and, and it's been a heartbreaking season. But in a way, I'm like, let's not blow it up because we're going to start from the beginning. And I think we're actually in a position where we could be okay. I'd like to get your comments and then also wanted to comment on some of the defensive uh, uh, um, defensive uh, play this year. Well, why don't you make your quick comment on the defense and then we'll react to everything you had to say. Yeah, one of the things you said, you used the Rams game a little while ago, and that was at the beginning of the season before they, uh, before they really started coming together as a defense. And I, I reflected on that game. They played solid for a quarter and a little more than a quarter. But what I saw in that game is they had too many three and outs and turnovers in the defense before you knew that before the second half, they were on the field too long. And you can't really expect any defense to perform, you know, in this type of NFL where the defensive rules kind of help the offense. You can't get it where, um, saying that they really didn't play well that game. They they played well until they the Rams made enough adjustments because they got the ball on a bunch of three and outs and turnovers. So I, I think the defense is better as long as the offense plays better. Yeah, well, I mean, Thanks, once again, guys, I, happy holidays to you. Yeah, you got it, Vinny. And once again, I, I think that that's similar to what the last caller said. I think the defense, for the most part, has kept them in games. And that Rams game was a few short fields for the Rams. They also put together two lengthy touchdown drives in that game. And that's why that second quarter just blew things open. But, you know, the Chargers game, Chargers put together a number of lengthy drives. The Cowboys put together lengthy drives in the first matchup. So there are still the mixed results. I mean, we could pick out certain components of every game you're going to find turnovers hurt the defense you're going to find short fields but you know winning the battle for a quarter doesn't necessarily get it done with respect to the NFL when you look at the landscape as a whole guys I don't know if you want to jump in in terms of his first comment about you know the outlook for the team and the makeup of the roster the only thing I'll say is I don't think there's any indication that whatever they decide to do moving forward this season with respect to personnel and the people making those decisions they don't necessarily have the flexibility to say we're going to take everybody and we're going to get rid of them because no. there is things such as cap hits and so forth and guys tied up in contracts so I wouldn't necessarily just assume that it's going to be a major blow up regardless of who's making those decisions no I mean you, you don't have the affordability for you know as far as cap space and I think that you know one good thing about the Giants and which every team likes to do is build your team through the draft they have 11 draft picks coming into the to this year so you know there's a uh, and, and by the way you got two in the first round so that you can really do some damage in the draft this year to improve your roster um, when you talk about free agency, going out looking for what you're going to need to help you offensively, uh, again, financially, you're going to have to pick your poison there and figure out where it is that you want to 
uh, allocate those resources to. But to me, I feel like the economical way and the most reasonable way is to go through the draft and, and look at those draft picks the Giants have at the top end and go get you some players that can make an immediate impact. Uh, on the offensive side of the football or even, a, you know, a couple positions on the defense. That's my, my guess. Well, I think the important thing to mention, guys, and I know the caller was suggesting five picks in the top 100. As it stands now, those five picks are in the top 80. It's not even 100. Mm-hmm. It's five in the better. top 80. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I said it on yesterday's show, Jeff. I, I know you weren't on with us. Wow. I said it yesterday. I'll say it one more time for people who may have missed it. You got to get guys who are like three starter-worthy players and two other guys who are heavy rotational players. Yeah. If you're going to get five out of the top eighty, that's the kind of production you've got to get out of those guys right away. Yeah. I mean, and you have to get and Paul. I think we were having this conversation a few days ago. On top of that, the continued development and production of the two recent draft classes. No doubt. That needs to go in conjunction with those five picks yeah, in the top point. 80. Good point. And I think that you're seeing uh, Ellerson Smith, another guy that, you know, and, and Aziz, you're looking a guy that you didn't even draft. Quincy Roche is on this roster that we've seen has been uh, a diamond in the rough with the with getting him from Pittsburgh. They used a draft pick on him. So, I mean, these are type of guys that, yeah, it's a great point. You mix those with the guys that you have coming up this season. And remember, guys, we talk about the, the rookies all the time. There's going to be a learning curve with them, but you know, five and the eighty, there's some there's some quality players in that in that spread. It's just finding them and then having them be successful on your roster. Oh, and one other thing, uh, Jeff, don't let them get hurt. Well, that's that's hard. I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> I know, but if I could give them the magic health pill yeah, well. that would prevent them from getting injured, that would be like the 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 billion dollar. A uh, medical device that would uh, would sure. really help a lot of teams in the NFL. Wow, absolutely! My goodness. But yeah, and again, you know, we talk about how when you look at this 2021 team, you know, injuries are certainly a, a topic of conversation because no team, no matter who you are, can afford to lose as many players as the Giants have and, and continue to be a you know a really really good football team. Some of them do, but not a lot don't. And it, this is a, this, it's a shame, but um, but you're not gonna you're not gonna have that as an excuse. You got to build depth through the through the draft and free agency, and be able to have confidence that if you do lose guys, Paul, that you have some depth there that that you've done a good job in your draft room and, and having guys on your roster that can step up. Well, because I think Jeff, to your point, and listen, the three of us have had this conversation again, also at times this year. You can't then go into 2022 saying. Well, everybody's coming back, right, who was banged up this year. You're getting a new draft class. You're going to go through all 17 games, and you're going to have everybody at your disposal no. for all 17 games. The no. bottom line is, while you want it to be fully healthy the whole year, you're always going to lose personnel. That's just the nature of the beast. That's the nature of the game. So that's yeah. more of a reason, Jeff, to your point. You still need to rely on the 12th or the 13th guy on either side of the ball. You have to anticipate there may be a few games where you don't have all those wide receivers. And that's why it's so important when you lose that personnel to see what the other guys do because while you don't hope you're in that position, you're going to be in that position just based on the trends we've seen across this league. Look at the game on Tuesday night. I mean, it wasn't even injuries. It was health reasons. It was COVID, correct, yeah. That you're yeah. losing teams, so, uh, losing guys. So, I mean, you have to even, in today's world, we you have to, as an organization, have to start taking that into consideration. And thank God 
that the NFLPA and the NFL did a good enough job to understand that we're going to have to keep our practice squad and how we elevate and and bring guys up and down because can you imagine if that wasn't standing this year? I mean, they wouldn't have been able to play any of these games. And, um, you know, you can call it as much as you want as it's watered down football, this and that. It's just the way it is. That's that's the way that we the world is today with this with pandemic, and it's affecting sports all the way from football to basketball to you know to whatever hockey, the Olympics. It's there, and you know it's the reality of it. So you know, and is it going to go away anytime soon? Who knows, man? We hope so. Well, but. you know, Paul and I were having this conversation. I think it may have been even off the air. You wake up every day now, and you don't know who's going to be put on the COVID list. For example, I don't know if you guys saw earlier today, the Saints just put Taysom Hill on the COVID list. Led out to so, Ian Book, right, and quarterback. Ian Book, correct. Ian Book's <laughs> going to start Monday night against the Dolphins. Fourth and, oh, by string. the way, yeah, and, and, but, but most important, Paul, both of those teams are still in playoff contention. Yes. Okay? So it's not one of those, oh, throwaway type of games. So the Saints are going to hope to cool off a red-hot Miami team that the Giants just played. That's won six in a row to try to keep their wild card playoff hopes alive. And they found out today's Thursday. Okay? So if you're Sean Payton, you went through the game plan starting on Monday, anticipating Taysom Hill is going to be your starter. Now you wake up Thursday. You find out you're down him. You don't have Trevor Simeon because he's on the list. So now all of a sudden Ian Book is going to make his first career start how would you like to be in that position who Sean Payton or Ian Book <laughs> well I, mean, I was talking about well more of the Saints overall Jeff how about that yeah no, I get in totality it. <laughs> yes yes oh my goodness yeah but th- I mean that's life in the NFL right now it certainly is and I, I think that you know uh and it's not fair but it's you know league-wide you're seeing it and I think that they're demographically I think you're seeing a little bit you know where this is the outbreaks are are happening and some some areas they're not you know some teams are pretty healthy and so it's just you know it's it's a flip of the it's a it's a matchup thing like okay well you know you got a team from out west where they really aren't having this type of problem but you got a team from you know the midwest or the east coast where they're having a lot of problems well that's just the it's the way that you know the cookie crumbles as they say so i mean it's it's unfortunate but it's it's tough it's i mean imagine like you said every day you wake up you're you're hoping because those guys are testing constantly you know they go in early in the morning get tested in the in the trailer and then they get their results and all of a sudden boom bingo oh who's out oh no you got to be kidding me well okay ian you're up let's go yeah, I mean, right, right now is how the NFL is operating. It's been like that every day this week. There's been so many players added to the COVID reserve list. So, I mean, you never know what you're going to wake up to. I think every team can at least relate to that, including the Giants, when they've lost a number of players due yeah. to that yeah. along the way. So it is the Giants and the Eagles on Sunday. We have no show on Friday. So those of you celebrating Christmas A happy and Merry Christmas to you all. We will be back on Monday recapping the Eagles game, but we'll have our normal pregame on Sunday starting at 11.30 a.m. Eastern, which you can hear on WFAN in the New York, New Jersey metropolitan area. If you're not in that area, you can log on to Giants.com as well as the mobile app as you'll be able to tune in via that in terms of our Giants pregame show. So that is going to wrap up today's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Gentlemen, a Merry Christmas to you both. You too, guys. Uh, happy and Enjoy a healthy holidays, holiday guys. season. Yeah. Yes. You too, John. 
and uh, John. Boy, yeah. I mean, I've been called names, Jeff. No, no, but no. I mean, that's what you're going to call me? I mean, that's oh, I how we're going to end the show? You're no, going to no, call no, me he's John? John is that's, in the studio, right? That's yeah. the level of respect. Oh, that's what you were assuming? Yeah, okay, yeah. I thought you were calling me John. No, I was no, like, no, no, that no, is no, the no. highest insult that he you could ever throw my out, way. He had to step out, Jeff. He had to step out. It's okay. It's okay. All well, right. I, I thought he was producing today, so that's I mean, why I thought. I talked to him earlier before. I was trying to close out the show on a very high note, and then Jeff had to throw that out at me? I mean, my goodness. Wow. Wow. Sensitive oh, I know. I am. I'm. I'm very sensitive today. You, you hurt my feelings, Jeff. Oh, I'm going to need that. now another yeah. hour to recuperate. Okay, let, let me just start yes. by saying, Lance, have a wonderful holiday. Thank there you. you go. That, that there has you just go. warmed Hug my it out, heart, guys. Cool oh, you. Yes, well, fuzzy, well, well, warmy. You know. <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm sure you. You probably have a Santa hat on or something. One hundred percent. You know. Ho, ho. Yes, I have the candy cane right to the right of me <laughs> and to the left of me. It's a. It's a whole uh, set that I have uh, right behind me. Yes. All right. Well, now that we've recovered and regrouped, that's the way to close up shop. A reminder, today's episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live, part of the Giants platforms everywhere at Giants.com slash podcast. For Jeff Eagles and Paul DeTito, I'm Lance Meadow. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday. Stay locked to Giants.com, and we'll speak to you on Sunday during the pregame. Have a good one.